Hi everybody, my name is Christian Nachtrieb and I'm the founder of University of Wedding Filmmakers and co-founder of Brighter Lights Media, a Boston-based wedding cinematography studio. And you're listening to the UWF Podcast, a show centered around the business of live event and wedding cinematography. Today's guest is Meg Simone, founder of Meg Simone Wedding Films based out of New Hampshire. I had Meg on the show to talk about the importance of a strong referral system and how her business has thrived through the simple act of getting out from behind the computer, making friends and contacts, and building trust with her brand. The in-person time has been absolutely essential for referrals um, for my business. Meg has established herself as the go-to weekend cinematographer for events happening all over the New England area, including such places as the White Mountains in New Hampshire, rural Vermont, Newport, Rhode Island, Cape Cod, Martha's Vineyard, and Nantucket. She's been featured in such places as Wellwed, Boston Magazine, Style Me Pretty, and The Knot, just to name a few, and has been named one of Event DV's top 25 most influential filmmakers. Meg's also taken home multiple awards at the annual Lucent Film Festival, held by InFocus. Her work is truly remarkable, and she's built up quite the reputation for herself over the years. We had a really great discussion, so let's hear it. Hi, Meg. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Christian. It's an honor to be here. I'm super pumped up that you're bringing all this incredible education to the uh, to the masses. Oh, thank you. Well, thanks for being a part of it. I know that you're filled with a lot of helpful information and hopefully that uh, our viewers can get a good chunk of that today. Um, I'd like to first start just having you tell us a little bit about how you got started in the wedding business. Sure. I have, I grew up with a camera in hand, so to speak. My uncle was a photographer and, and he got me involved in the visual arts. And then when I was in high school, I started working with a local TV station here in town and worked, worked there on and off throughout college as well. And when I got out of college, everyone from the TV station was invited to a wedding in town. And someone said, oh, you know, Meg, why don't you film Bob and Kathy's wedding? We'll give it to them as a wedding present. So I showed up. This is back in the day. I won't date myself, but I showed up with an SVHS camera on my nice. shoulder. It was awesome. Filmed my first wedding and, and edited it linearly. This was like right when nonlinear editors were coming out. Oh, wow. But I was still doing it linearly, tape to tape. So made my first wedding film on VHS. It was it was pretty awesome. I got hooked and then just grew the business slowly from there. I had a background in in early HTML programming when the web, when the internet sort of first came out. Yeah. So I was one of the first people in the state to have like a wedding, we a, a, you know, a website for my business and was able to network with the local venues in my area. So that in conjunction with second shooting as a still photographer for wedding photographers gave me a lot of exposure to just how weddings work and the flow of the day. So video was a natural transition as I gradually, you know, did like, two more the next year, three more the following year, and then and then it picked up rapidly from there. So that's sort of how I got my foot in the door. <laughs> and, and I always like to thank Bob and Kathy for allowing me to show up with that SVHS camera. That's awesome. I, out of curiosity, what was the software you used for your first website? Were you just editing like HTML files and then uploading to an FTP or did you use like GeoCities? Oh gosh, I think it was just HTML files to some, yeah, some server. That's a that's a great question. That's but, badass. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know why I got really hooked on computer science when the internet 
came out, I, I ended up just taking basic computer science classes in college. And so that I, that I really do think that gave me a leg up because people at the time just they didn't have websites for their businesses a lot of the venues didn't even have websites yeah, so amazing. for me to just be able to say oh i have a website it was a, it was a good calling card back, totally no that's great <laughs> <laughs> what were some struggles that you faced early on with starting a business that's a great question i think always it was you know looking at trends in technology and not being able to keep up and mm. not because really I just didn't know in the beginning how people even ran a business or priced themselves because a lot of times as a quote-unquote artist, um, which I sometimes feel like I'm more a business owner than an artist, which, you know, that's, that's I think what the struggle is. You have a passion or a talent or a hobby that grows into a, a, a viable business and you don't really um, – some people don't have the business skills to back that up. So trying to – navigate the business end of things and maybe struggling with like pricing fairly or how to deal even with inquiries in the very beginning and and know how to respond to people and just all of the the business stuff the editing and everything because I was still working at the TV station like technical stuff I I had a support network for but then sure. as the business grew in the first few years it was like oh gosh like how do I afford new cameras and what do I really need? And, oh yeah, I guess I should have external audio and <laughs> all the struggles uh, that, you know, and this was again before, so early 2000s is when I was like filming my first wedding. So mm -hmm. there, there wasn't Facebook to go on a forum and be like, Hey, what are you using for audio or what? So it was a lot of just trial and error and, and, figuring out ways to do things or how to make products, the, the end product better. Totally. Um, and yeah, some of those early films though, and oh gosh, DVDs, I didn't know what I was doing. Oh when, so when DVDs obviously were the norm way back then, it, I was like putting sticky labels on DVDs oh, and yeah. uh, like recording them on a, on just like, I think I was running the, the program from my computer through the television and just recording a DVD. Oh wow! It was it it was so you know it's just like all those struggles of just trying to figure it out and not really having a a big support system of like wedding filmmakers because I didn't know any. I was up in north. I mean, I'm up in northern New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. um, when people started getting online, I was like, oh cool, there's this company in southern New Hampshire. There's another company, and pe people would stop start popping up. And but it wasn't until 2009 that I went to my first, um, like event or, you know, conference or, you know, education that I actually did continuing education specific for wedding filmmakers. So that was like a game cha game changer for sure. Do you remember what that was? Was that, which event was that? That was reframe. It was those, that was around like, they did three or four events starting in say 2008 and I went to the one in Austin, Texas. They did one in New Orleans and then they did one I think in San Francisco. I think they might have done three. Um, it was led by a group of filmmakers um, like Julie Hill of Elysium Productions was uh, oh, sure, yeah. one of the spearheads of that. And so I went to that event. It was there was about fifty people from all over the country. Like Joe Simon was there, and um, Philip Bloom, and uh, just a 
like Chris Jones, Mason Jar Films was mm-hmm. one of the people at the time doing that event. And so that's where I, I met people and realized that there is a support like network out there and so that I could like actually email people and ask questions, but always the struggle, I guess the biggest struggle all along though, is always like technology and trends and camera because DSLRs weren't around when I first started, I was shooting on the Canon XHA XLS. Then it was the XHA one. And then that was one of my first HD cameras was the XHA one. Yeah. That was a great camera. I mean, it really was a great camera. And but then it was like the transition from mini DV to to um, cards, and then from there to DSLR, and that was a t- that was a tough few years because it was changing really quick. And everyone that I started noticing, I was like, oh, everyone's shooting DSLR, and I'm mm. still on video cameras. So I was a late I was a late con- convert to that. Gotcha. But, um, still still stayed in business people were still booking me so yeah I think we were a little bit fortunate when we started doing weddings it was right when that revolution sort of had happened so that was sort of our default go-to but in college like I was learning on all those cameras like the PD 170 was the first video, like pro video camera yeah. I touched and then you know upgraded <laughs> from there to like XL2 and things like that so in college I was on those but not working on them professionally so we sort of got dumped into this era which is I guess a little bit convenient, but technology right. today, I feel like that same problem persists and is just exacerbated by the fact that there's a new camera every month or there's a new social media that you have to be aware of. Like I'm not on Snapchat or anything. I just, I'm right. one of those guys that's digging their heels in that. And I'm, oh, see me, how that I'm not on Snapchat help. either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but it'll technology. probably come back to bite me later. Oh gosh. I mean, I still don't, I don't fly a drone. I, I rarely use my slider and it's just funny. I've, I've always dug my heels in with a lot of the technology and trends because I think that's where um, a lot of businesses can struggle, especially early on. I, I've seen businesses fail because they go on the forums, they see people are talking tech and gadgets mm. and they're buying everything, but they're not able, they're not, their prices aren't reflecting any, any means to support their tech, their habits of buying all these, these toys yeah. to run their business. So you're exactly right. Mm. Yeah. So started in two early two thousands. Um, yeah, I heard you correctly. Now, where is your business today? Um, you guys are you're very well known around the Northeast, obviously, and, and nationally too. So, can you tell people a little bit about you know your success stories and and places you've been published and things like that? Sure. Yeah. I'm. I feel really fortunate. I always look back with fondness on certain milestones throughout. I would say since two thousand eight, two thousand nine in like people that I've met along the way that have pointed me in one direction that have made, you know, that has led to bigger and better things or just like game changing experiences. And, and I guess where it's led me today is I I am based in Northern New Hampshire, but I've sort of made a niche for like myself in terms of, I do like longer films. Mm -hmm. A lot of people probably don't ever, it's like I almost feel like there's a little tribe of people, like people who will find my films through friends or family or whatnot. Um, they they'll watch them and they'll enjoy the length of them, but probably a lot of peers don't ever watch them because they're like, "Oh my gosh, that's a 25 minute film. I'm not watching a 25 right. minute film." But there's people out there who want still want like the longer feature films um, as their main film. So I guess over the years, I've just sort of stayed true to really wanting to like tell these stories and doing it really from, um, 
with like no bells and whistles. So it's pretty documentary in nature. Like it's, I'm not an overly polished filmmaker by any stretch. You know, I'm, there's so like, you guys are just so solid. Your stuff is stunning. Like visually, (laughs) visually it's just so spot on and amazing. I'm always like, Oh my gosh, if I could only film like that and tell stories too, that would be amazing. But, um, uh, but I guess my, my, business today is really sort of a, like a little niche of people who like that more like homey, homey feel of, of like, um, storytelling and, and, um, just like an understated way, I guess. Yeah, totally. And no, I think that's really just what it boils down to is finding your niche. I think there's going to be, um, a group of people in any kind of, you know, category or style of, of wedding film that's going to be really gung ho for that. And, it's always been my opinion that it's good to turn, you know, a good chunk of people off by your work because then those few or however many it is that find you and love you, it becomes, you know, a much easier process in terms of booking them. You know, you're you're in the high end, so those those few people that really love your work and just can't have anyone else but you, it's it's I'm sure it's really easy to kind of, you know, hook them in. That's that that is true and I'm sure you find the same thing cuz your style is really, I mean, it's just so beautiful and you have a, you have a try people too that I know seek you out so it is nice and that's I guess even getting back to like struggles early on I don't know if it was a struggle with me because I've always been pretty steadfast and like this is who I am as a person this is what I want to do and I haven't really swayed too far from that Um, I mean of course when the slider came out I was like I love my slider but Mm -hmm. I didn't ever like use it too much because I was still like but this isn't what it's about for me it's like still about the story still about this that and the other so um, just yeah, like creating a little niche for yourself. And there's so much work to go around that it's great that um, people can have their own little niche mar- markets, I guess. So those people that do book you and find you, um, I'm taking it most of them are from referrals. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on what types of you know referrals, like vendors, not necessarily names, but you know where sure. your pool of, of clients are coming from? Absolutely. Well, yeah, and, and I'll actually circle back in a question you just asked too, like, where is your business today? Um, There's one event that happened in late 2009. It was the first inspiration shoot I ever did. And, and I was working with some, you know, wedding professionals. I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm getting to work with them. And it was an inspiration shoot. And I, I, that's where I got to finally like have some good time with people. Cause you know, on a wedding day, you can like maybe see a florist and say hi, but there's no time to like chat, catch up, get to know them, like, you know, try and, and become friends. So it was that one event where I met people, met those people and it just sort of spiraled from there. And I realized from that one experience and the relationships that I met, how vital actual human relationships and human contact with all the wedding professionals is to the referrals um, and the way that I generate business. And I guess even before 2009, like anytime a bridal magazine would come out or any type of wedding magazine in our local area or region, I would always, you know, get a copy, go through, look at what vendors were resonating with me or venues I'd never heard of. And I'd actually handwrite them a letter Mm. or I'd, I have like a letter that I would send them and then write like a little message on the bottom because that like email was really popular back then. So I wanted to do a snail mail so that they would remember it more or I would get in the car 
And um, I remember one trip I did to Vermont, I was like, okay, I'm going to schedule like five appointments to get real FaceTime with all these vendor, you know, vendors and venues, because I've written them letters and they know who I am, but they don't really know, they don't really know who I am. Right. So the, the in-person time has been absolutely essential to, for referrals um, for my business. And and again, circling back to that inspiration shoot, like meeting those particular vendors and having them now know me as a person and be like, see my work, see me in action mm. um, was huge because then they were like, oh yeah, you should hire Meg. I know her. I've seen her. Like it just makes such a huge difference then. You know, people, it's funny, someone on a forum the other day was like, my business is a little slower or whatever, and um, I'm wondering how I might be able to drum up some more business. And I was like, well, you, you know, have you actually like reached out to people and asked to go take a florist out to coffee or a planner, stop by their office or whatnot? And I think people forget, like, you really need human interaction yeah. <laughs> for people to keep keep you on the forefront of their mind. I mean, yeah. Liking things on Instagram, liking things on Facebook are great in the moment, but it's there's still something lacking like that, in my opinion, the human connection factor and like having that face to face time with people. Yeah. Um, that's really the life, like the lifeline of my business is is the personal relationships with with the with vendors. Um, yeah, there's um, a photographer that we are friends with uh, downtown who is just like buddies with everybody in the know, you know, and she's not it's it's a genuine relationship, like a genuine friendship that she has with all these vendors. You know, it's not just her out there trying to, you know, you know, make a buck. Basically, she's just right. genuinely interested and they have a good time and they go out and they do social things together. So what are what's some advice you can give to someone who wants to reach out and establish a connection, but doesn't want to come off as seeming just like, you know, one sided and selfish about it. Right. And I told yeah, that's a great point, because a lot of times I think it can feel like that if it's not done right. And obviously, I'm super genuine, too. I've I when I meet with someone or spend time on someone, it's because I genuinely want to get to know about them and their business. Um, inspiration shoots, I know they still do happen. They were probably a lot more common maybe three, four years ago. Mm. But even now, I mean, people are still doing and when I say inspiration shoot, I mean like a styled shoot. Yeah. Um, and that's a great way for people. I was just talking to another filmmaker yesterday and um, she, she sort of asked the same question. I was like, oh my gosh, there's this styled shoot going on with like all these people in your area and they reached out to me, but you're a much better fit and I already know them and you don't know them. So like, this is a great way for all of you to get to know each other and network and be together and, um, you know, just spend some time. It's great for the off season. I think those styled shoots and inspiration shoots, no matter if they land in a blog, a publication or whatever, that to me was like a bonus if it did. I mean, we typically, the photographer got things published and, and that was great. But for me as video, obviously you can't put a video in print necessarily. So for me, it was like all about, um, the, the time with the vendors. And so doing a styled shoot like that, is, is definitely genuine because you're, you're there as a team collaborating totally. any, any other, like now there's Tuesdays together through the rising tide in most major cities across the country. That's another great way to meet creatives and in a like genuine environment. Um, just, you know, I've taken people out to lunch who I've known about or heard about and, 
you know, just genuinely asking them about that, like getting to know them. Like I know what they're like, say if they're a florist, great. I know you're a florist or if you're a photographer, I know you're a photographer. I'll ask them at lunch, like, Oh, how'd you get into it? You know, what do you like most about it? But I'm not like, well, how many do you have booked? Well, who are you booking? Well, can you refer me? Like, Mm. I don't really talk about that stuff at all. You know, especially getting to know them. It's more like really just wanting to know who they are as a, as a person, because I have even met people who I've been like, oh, wow, I really want to meet them. And then you get to meet them and you're like, wow, you know what? I might not be the best fit for their mm. for their client base. And that's great to know, too, because you don't want to be spinning your wheels or like spending all this time stalking people on Facebook or Instagram only to find out that really their clients are probably not a good fit for, right. for you, too. But I'm still friends with them because I like them as people. <laughs> yeah. It's also about building a level of trust, right? Because if they were to refer you, they want to know that they can trust you and who you refer out is a reflection on you, like really. So you want to, they want to know that they can trust you and that you have their back and that it's going to be a mutually beneficial um, referral and it's going to be a great wedding for everyone all around. Yes, that is totally, um, that's such a good point because it, and that it's funny because um, I got an autoresponder from, a wedding professional not too long ago and and it it was like I'm on maternity leave um good luck like it was almost like sorry I don't have anyone to tell you and I was like oh my gosh this is not reflecting good on yeah. on on our industry like even though it was for one particular vendor type I'm like this kind of makes us all look mean hmm. and not having not having names and colleagues to pass on I think it's just so important to be able to have that curated referral list. Like if a client emails and says like, Hey, um, who do you recommend for live bands or who do you recommend for DJs? Who do you recommend for officiants? If you, if, if you can't say, um, list at least one or two or three people, it's like, what does that say about you as the vendor and then the industry that you're, that you're servicing or the, the market that you're servicing. Um, for example, if like I do a lot of destination weddings, so say in in terms of like people coming to my area or the coast of Maine or wherever, Mm -hmm. and if they were to email me and say, do you know any officiants? And I was like, gee, you know what? I don't really know any. And they'd be like, well, wow, Meg really doesn't, she was never pulse on the market. She doesn't, know people in her in the area like what does this say it makes them doubt like oh gosh are we we're getting married in Maine well are Maine people really out to lunch or what's going on with that and so it just reflects poorly on on I think the greater industry so I think having a curated referral list um, is just so huge and that you know again you can take people out to coffee get to know officiants in many different ways or bands or DJs um you know, just to be able to have that face-to-face time and know, like, this, they're a legit person, they're a good person, they've got good business practices or whatever is so mm-hmm. important. Totally. What If you could guesstimate, what's your sort of breakdown between referrals from uh, past clients and photographers and planners and, you know, anyone else who you want to throw into the mix? Do you have, like, that rough I breakdown guess. of where your people come from? Oh, I, I, you know what? I should have pulled that and had had like good concrete data but i would say if it's not a personal referral from a past client or a couple who like maybe have a sibling or a friend getting married mm-hmm. it's definitely planners and photographers like the the split would probably be 
down the middle between those two. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of like throw in planners that maybe even work at a venue as like a referral source too. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of planners are on their own as well, but there are some planners that have been with venues forever and they're like, Oh yeah, call Meg. So planners and photographers really are the biggest uh, source for me. Um, maybe a florist now and again, but I would say in recent years, it's really just photographers and planners. Yeah. It's those people that they're, you know, brides are usually going to sort of first at the top of the list. Exactly. Yeah. Anyone at the top of the funnel is, <laughs> is the, <laughs> the top of the food chain. So, I mean, venues are huge. And in the early stages of my business, I was getting, I would say like almost a hundred percent of my business came from, from, from venue referrals. Like oh, interesting. It was I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. In the, in the early stages, for sure. It wasn't, and it was funny. I can even remember talking to my friend, Stephanie Keith of Black Sheep Filmworks. She was my roommate for a bunch of conferences early on. And I was like, yeah, I just, I never get referrals from past clients. And she's like, oh, you just wait. It's going to come because mm -hmm. she's been in business for double as long as I have. And she runs a great successful business. And hers, I think is very referral based too. And I was like, oh gosh, I hope you're right. And sure enough, like it took a couple more years, but it all of a sudden it was like it went from me needing like a lot of venue referrals, networking with a ton of florists, like having my business cards in in a lot of places and really meeting a wide spectrum of vendors to um, get seeing that it transitioned to like personal referrals and referrals from a select like the top of the funnel vendors. Totally. So I think for people starting out, it's great to network and great to get to meet a wide range of people, whether that's writing um, a, a personal card and sending someone like a handwritten letter. I mean, who doesn't love getting mail that's not a bill or just right. like a, a letter in the mail? Anytime I get a letter in the mail, I'm always like, oh, my gosh, what's this? Like, who who's sending me something? And, you know, you keep it on your desk because you want to look at it or like you, it's. It's more than just a Facebook post. So totally, yeah, it shows that you 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 really care. You go out of your way to take something, you know, write it down, mail it, get a get a stamp. I don't have many stamps mm -hmm. around. Take it to the post office versus you know logging in and sending like an SMS or something. Exactly, and I think for anyone newer in the business, you know, it, there it, it it does take time. I mean, people tend to book weddings nine months, a year out, or whatever. So any changes that that people are going to start implementing they might not notice for a year so don't get discouraged don't be like oh i've been sending out all these letters but no one's referring me it's like well you know the, it's cyclical it does take time i think yeah totally um one problem i've had with referrals specifically with um past clients while we still get a lot of them the booking rate has been going down ever so slightly because what happens is for us is our prices kind of rise over the years you have, you know, if, whether it's a, like another family member or like a close friend of a past client and they write you and they, you know, have to deal with the, the jump in price. How, yep. how do you handle a situation like that where they're coming to you sort of expecting a certain range, but it's been two years since that, that referrals wedding? Right. I know that's always like such a heartbreaker. Yeah. Well, it's, I guess it's a little stressful because you're like, oh my gosh, that was the best family ever. And I, you know, this just happened to me actually. And the sister contacted me and I looked at what I charged her other sister and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I have to be like three times the amount right now. <laughs> so I was like, this is going to be a hard nut to swallow. But I emailed her and she was like, wow. And I, but actually in that email, because I knew I was so different, like I, I had, to, I explained like, okay, this is what 
your sister had as a package, things have slightly changed. It's been five years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I gave her in that email, a list of colleagues that I knew might be like in that price point, um, that are people that I know. And that's another thing about referral list is also just knowing other filmmakers too. If you're a filmmaker, like you definitely need to have a referral list of other filmmakers and like knowing sort of a general ballpark of your peers price point so that you can refer them and be like, yeah, you know, they're more in this range and they're an awesome fit. And I'm not offended if you go with them. I always tell people like my number one goal, like I'm so excited that you want your day documented. My number one goal is to help you find the right fit, whether that's with me or somebody else so that they know that I really just genuinely care that they're getting their date documented. Of course, I'd love to film another event from that same family, but I realize that it could be a long shot. And I'm hoping that my generosity of referring, you know, a friend still keeps me forefront in their mind. Like, you know, well, Meg couldn't do it, but she's still a great person and we love our film from so-and-so. Um, they might refer them in the future or they might still recommend me to friends and family like, oh, well, we couldn't have Meg. We had this other person. They're both great. So they might have two names that they refer, but it's still like getting your name out there in a way yeah. and um, and still like delicately handling the fact that you're now way more expensive than you were when people. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's it is kind of a tough one because I think, you know, they people are already sold on you. So it's like such an easy thing. Like they just want a book, but then they find out the price. Yeah. If only it was two years ago. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, that is a tough one. Um, I've had what you said about wanting to have their, their back, right? Like have their genuine, um, you know, interest at heart is great because we've, we've always referred other videographers when we're not available. It's, it's pretty much like a go-to standard. If we're not booked, we'll find someone for them. Yeah. And I have a specific, memory I this was from like two years ago I feel like where a bride wrote us and we weren't available and I took like the time to help her out and she booked someone and she was super appreciative and you know they always say oh well you know I'll tell my friends about you even though I'm going with this other guy and I'm, I'm sure you've heard that too she actually oh, yeah. did tell another friend she didn't refer the company she booked but she referred us so oh, we, wow. th- we did get a referral from a past non-client so it, it goes to show you that it does pay off it will work just be genuine and, and want them to have the best fit and just really look out for people that's um, so true. And it will, that is so true. it will pay you back tenfold. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, I think, and I will fully admit in the early stages of my business, that was a big, big struggle for me is like not wanting to let anyone else have any fruit. I was like, nope, I want to try and book everything I can. Yeah, but there's so I, much out there. Exactly. It took me a while to figure that out. <laughs> Thankfully for like the last six, seven years, I've recognized that. It, I think the last double booking I did where I like hired somebody um, at the time, like because I didn't want to like let it go was back in 2008. And after that, I was like, you know what? There's just so many weddings out there. This is crazy. I need to, you know, br- like figure out, <laughs> figure out my referral my referral net list of people better and not be afraid to, to help them grow their businesses. Cause I was like, the more I can help my colleagues grow their business, then the better we all are. So once I, that clicked with me, I was like, Oh, this is a no brainer. And then I just constantly refer out. I mean, I was referring out anyway for the most part, but it was one of those like special weddings came along where you're like, no, that's going to be the best wedding of the year. And I have to pass it up. Mm. So but there's so much out there. There's just like plenty to go around. And, and 
and hopefully that you know you refer out then someone refers back to you and um and it and it works out but i will say i never refer i don't know if you were going to ask me this but it just popped into my mind yeah. um that i uh i never refer for like cash incentives or anything like that oh yeah totally same with us yeah someone brought that up at a an event the other week and um definitely a hot topic because i think people get into like the pace yeah like some some venues have the brochures where they want you to pay to be listed uh-huh. as a referral source and the argument there was you know if you are in your business if you're finding that you're getting like 50% of your weddings from that venue then it's probably not a bad place to you know advertise slash get referrals so that is kind of giving a kickback to the venue in terms of like paying for their promotional material but yeah. um but I never want planners or photographers or anybody to refer me for any other reason that they think I'm a good fit because if they were doing it because any, like if someone's paying a planner to refer them, well, you might be a horrible fit for that client and it reflects poorly on you and the planner. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Sorry. Just had to throw that in there. No, totally. (laughs) I had a question I wanted to ask you specifically because I heard you keep saying that you have, you know, a referral list. Are you sending potential clients an actual like say PDF of your referral list or is it sort of just custom based on what they're looking for um, how do you actually physically go about that yeah it's custom based on on like their location and what they're looking for I have a draft in my inbox that I'm that's lengthy like I have it grouped into state so I have like if people are in a certain price point in the state of New Hampshire I know that these are probably my go-to people and then I can I just copy and paste it sometimes and then I have other groupings like if I know it's um like a like like a like-minded peer obviously I would refer you um and there's maybe one other person like from like uh, someone from Maine like so it might be a more regional list Mm -hmm. Um, but I do try and curate it to uh, the, the like where they're getting married or what their needs are. If, um, and even some people, they're like, we really want something super similar to what you do. And there's one company in um, in Texas that does have a similar approach to me that I'm that I sometimes will send out. So it really just depends. And I try and know their price point because they have to fill that out on my questionnaire okay. so that I'm that I'm not totally I don't want to just be like oh try these people I have no clue what your budget is like I try and ask them or I'll say um hey you know if they didn't tell me their budget I'll be like well there's so many great people out there what's your price what's the general price point you're trying to stay within because I don't want to send you um, a bad match or something and sometimes I'll even reach out to people on Facebook in advance just to be like hey are you even open on this date so that I don't waste their time or the couple's time Totally. How do you how do you handle a situation where you're getting, you know, a a decent amount of like leads or referrals from a specific individual, um, but they're sort of out of touch with with what you charge. And so you're finding that a lot of the people they send you aren't qualified. Do you how do you how do you handle something like that? That's a great question. I'd love to ask you that same question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dealing with that right now. And it's. it's almost like when I see it's coming in from a certain venue, I just, I know that it's going to be a long shot if I would be a good fit for that. Yeah. And so I, I already have like a little drafted section in my, in my drafts emails that I can use for that. And 
sometimes I'll just kindly be like, I already have a pending contract on your date, even though I don't, if just, I don't want to make anyone ever feel bad and be like, Oh, you're totally not in my price point. I can't help you. Like I, I always want people to feel like they are, their wedding's the most important thing that they're the most important people and that I'm super sorry. I can't help them. Um, but I am actually struggling with that right now because my other half camera too, my gear Sherpa that um, works for me on the weekends, <laughs> Dave, he, he's always like, you've got to do something about that. Cause you, you need to, how do you like, I guess short of just telling the planner, like, Hey, the, the fact that I did a wedding there last year was a really rare, rare, like occurrence. And it was yeah. a certain special circumstance that's like totally not normal and blah, blah, blah. So do you have any do you have any suggestions? Yeah, it's something we're dealing with a little bit more. Like we have this one photographer who we worked with once, not at a wedding, but he does um uh wedding photography and he's been sending us he's been so great about sending us people, but I don't wanna have to do that call where it's like, um, hey, oh, we're so appreciative of everything, but it's not really gonna it's not really gonna right. work out. Yeah. So as soon as I discover something that works well, I will be sure to share that with you. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm wondering if in business, it's just one of those things where you, I mean, thankfully for me, it's not like high, high enough volume that it's annoying in terms, it's not like I'm getting five emails a week from this one venue by any stretch. It's like, you know, maybe one a month or every few months, but it's, but it's out there and I feel bad because I'm just like, oh, Mm. um, yeah, I, I I don't know the most appropriate way. I but so if anyone out there in podcast land has suggestions, <laughs> we're all ears. <laughs> we're all ears. Yeah. One other question: How do you? What are some ways that you will try and like wow someone? If it's the first time you're working with like a planner, or it's the first time, or maybe it's a client you know would have some like really great you know contacts or friends who are getting married, and you want to just really go above and beyond. One thing we'll do sometimes is bring a laptop and like an iMac, and we'll do like one of those simple um, same day edits and just put together like a two minute video with no sound to it that just sort of loops by like the bar and it's on like a high tail or a high top cocktail table. Oh, um, that's awesome. So that's a great th- idea. Yeah. That's like kind of going to the extreme, like just a surprise same day edit, just have that playing. But are there anything that you can do that, um, or that anyone can do really to just sort of add a simple, like a wow factor? Yeah, I think, I mean, if, if like for me, I don't really have the, uh, I don't have the, the the skills to probably pull off a same day. I've never actually done a same day edit. I'll they're be br- honest. Brutal. Uh, yeah, I can't even imagine. But um, it, like for for say you're you're doing a wedding and it's like you know it's a new like school group or f- friend group or vendors that you want to work with. Um, now you could do like a quick Instagram teaser. I'm I'm actually going to try and work on getting one out mm-hmm. in the next day or two from my wedding this past week. And I know that's not lightning fast, but I've had a crazy week. But in a perfect world, maybe you would get like an Instagram trailer out within, you know, 48 hours of the wedding and then tag all the vendors that you worked with so that they're now like, oh, my God, that that was awesome. That person's awesome. I totally want to work with them again or you know, the bride and groom, like, or the couple show all their friends and they're like, this, this, these are our filmmakers and they're amazing. Yeah. The Um, Instagram has been so huge lately. We've gotten actually our first two leads from Instagram, which is kind of exciting. So I think if you can get hooked in with the weddings hashtag, you know, I think most people are doing like a wedding hashtag now and you post that thing like next day or within 48 hours. Um, that's going to be so clutch. I feel like I should add that question to the final questionnaire we send out to people is if you're having a wedding 
um, hashtag wedding hashtag. Let us know what it is, so that way you can just you know throw that out there, and then that's you know that's two hundred eyes on it right away. Oh, absolutely! That's genius to add that question to a questionnaire because that would that's just that just makes it so much easier. Yeah, to be I like, know they they put it on like you know the tables and it it might be around the ceremony, but I'm running around. I'm not right. really paying attention to like what it. Sometimes it's long too, and I'm like I can't write this down right now. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, but that's I would say um, that's always been a tool that I've used to help grow my business because I did, I don't do same day edits and I don't really have. Um, yeah, I don't do same day edits or anything like that. But in the past, say I remember like 2009 ish is when I started doing like one minute coming soon trailers for because that's kind of when I started doing more shorter form features and getting away from like the two hour long documentary uh, edits because short form films didn't really exist. I don't think until I mean, not in the way that people know them today, like the highlight films and the right. the like storytelling and things. But um that's I that's a huge that was a huge generator of business for me I would say in 2009 2010 and a little bit of 2011 was like little trailers on that I threw on Facebook totally but I think now like the way to do that is definitely Instagram um and I mean you know you can throw it on Facebook too and someone told me yesterday that Instagram you can now go up to 60 seconds yeah and yeah, so we just added a Instagram teaser to our add-on list. It's like it's cheap. It's like two fifty or three hundred bucks or something. Um, knowing that most people probably won't do that, however, it's it's a great like incentive. You know, oh, you, you're inter- inter- interested in the Instagram video? Like, we'll just throw that in, which is something right. we would probably do anyway. Um, so you know, yeah, the sixty second is kind of interesting. I wonder if people actually do have the attention span for that on Instagram because they're thumbing through so fast. Like I see people on the train just, you know, going post by right. post. <laughs> right. So are they really going to sit there and watch a 60 second like wedding clip? Right. I was kind of, I was psyched on the 15 seconds because I was like, okay, <laughs> I can handle this. But then when the person said 60, I was like, no, right that's out. too long. I'm, I'm sticking with 15 or maybe I'll go to 20 if I want to throw my logo on the end. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> but I funny. think that's a great tool. And then if, and then even throughout the editing process, like if you're calling through footage and doing a rough cut, if you happen to have like 15 seconds of awesome detail shots, just throw that in an Instagram. Like if it's a florist or a planner that you've never, if that was like the first time you worked with them and you want to stay on their radar, they'd be psyched to have. I just Dropbox it to them. I'm like, hey, here's a video you can put on your Instagram. Here's the instructions on how to do it and throw your logo on the end. And they're just psyched because it's yeah. like, wow, I've got this professional video of my, fl- of my details or my, you know, of the event. So it's more specific to them yeah. and it might only take you like a couple of minutes to pull together. Yeah. There's a, a filmmaker that we had on the podcast early on who I, I follow her Instagram account and she does what seems to be almost like not not quite a daily post, but she'll show off like certain um, elements from the wedding, whether it's you know just a lot of location shots for the venue, or if it's a lot of the uh, the details from the coordinator, or the planner, and yeah. she'll like hashtag the hell out of it, and it's almost like a daily thing. So it's kind of like a lot of promotion from like all the times you've been to this one spot, or it's just a lot of things from that one wedding that were really spectacular. So that's something I feel like I'd like to do this summer is to get like a social media intern that can cull through. Um, you know, all weddings from say like Chatham Bars Inn and just kind of show off that venue um, right. with like a 30 second piece and tag it and just, you know, get a little promotion there. 
Absolutely. I think venues, especially who have like good social uh, marketing teams, they they eat that stuff up because that just makes their property look amazing. And you guys do drone, you know, fly and get awesome aerials. So like that would be even cooler. Right. <laughs> What's one piece of actionable advice uh, for someone to do tomorrow to get started to, you know, help cultivate the right kinds of re referral sources for their business? Sure. I would say it's like get out from behind the computer. One thing, I know that sounds crazy, but I, I had a brief career in real estate from 2005 oh, cool. to 2008. And it was, it was because back then, like my wedding business was actually doing pretty well. And I probably could have survived just on that. And I was waiting tables and working at the TV station and had like 10 jobs. Mm. But um, I didn't like, I, I was like, oh, I don't think it's a quote unquote real job being a wedding videographer. So of course I had to go get a job and sold real estate. And realized after, of course, that filming weddings was like an awesome real job and it was way more fun for me. So anyway, but in my time in real estate, they always told me if you want to make a sale and you need to meet prospective buyers and sellers, get out of the office. Like mm. go for because there's a lot of like men in the office a little bit older who love to play golf. They're always like, go golf because you're going to meet more people on the golf course just in like idle chatter with them like oh you hear so-and-so selling their house or so-and-so's moving moving away or into town and yeah and I always took that with me I was like just go do something maybe it's a dance class a yoga class mm -hmm. uh, a 5k run join a join a running club join Toastmasters join anything that gets you out and and mingling with the public or just take friends out take mm -hmm. meet just and any way that you can get out there and not be afraid to like when someone says, oh, you know, what are you doing for work? Or, you know, be like, I'm a wedding filmmaker and yeah. own it and let people know about it. And um, and or, you know, call those vendors up that you haven't yet met who you've heard of or who are in your area who you really want to meet and be like, hey, I've seen you online. I've really admired your work. Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Like, let me let me take you out to coffee or let me swing by with a muffin or something. I just want to like introduce myself and whatever. I think it's just getting out from behind social media, mm -hmm. get away from face Facebook and get real face to face time. Good. I'm going to have to quote that. Oh yeah. Quote in away. short, in short, be a human. <laughs> yes. Quote away. What is one of your favorite business and or marketing book? Oh gosh. Oh, I feel like I've been reading so many fun ones over the years and it's all random stuff. Like I really love psychology. I minored yes. in psychology and oh, very cool. college. Did you study psychology as well? No, I almost would want to take a class on it, but I do read a few um, marketing like psychology books. Um, they're always, it's always interesting. There's always like cool case studies that they do. And it's just like, wow, it's, we as people have such funny triggers and things that you can kind of get under, um, get behind like you break down the actions and things that cause you to do certain things. Exactly. Yeah. I, oh gosh, in terms of business marketing books, I've been re for some reason right now, my go-to has just been like, um, Inc magazine or entrepreneur or fast, mm. fast company for some reason. But in terms of books, of course, right now I'm like on a little Brene Brown kick, <laughs> but that's not, I mean, <laughs> that, that is slightly business related for sure. Um, you know Seth Godin books. Um, gosh, what else? I could I could probably email you a list. I don't have I don't really have a favorite that's been like, oh my gosh, this book changed my life. Gotcha. I wish I I wish I did have one of those because you always meet people and they're like, oh my god, this book totally changed my life. Huh. And I think for me, um, 
I'm a, I'm a little bit of a slow reader or maybe because I don't have a lot of time um, that I can't just like sit down and like really get into a book for hours and hours on end that I trend towards podcasts now and again. That's why I'm obsessed with your podcast right oh, now. Thanks. Like, this is the coolest thing ever because I can listen to it on the way to the gym in the morning. I can listen to it while I'm ma- making breakfast and and to, to read a book, you do have to like make time and sit down. You right. can't like read a book and drive a car. So. Yeah, and you're always in the in, you know on the road going to like Nantucket or something. So that's a huge chunk of time where you can be listening to a book rather than you know yeah. sitting down glued to it. Right, right. So that's why I'm really looking forward to future episodes of your podcast <laughs> for this for this summer's wedding season. The question is, will you listen to your own? Um, I'll probably make Dave listen to it, and then he can make he can be like, oh. What you know? Okay, I don't know. I'll 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 probably listen to it. That's why the editing is brutal for me. I hate listening to my own voice. Oh yeah, I I don't love listening to my own voice either. And I I I used to host a TV show up here in the White Mountains. I live in in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, yeah. and so we have an affiliate station for outside television. It's just resort based, so like it covers you know like a six. I don't know, 40, 50 mile radius or whatnot. And it's like where to shop, where to dine, ski conditions in the winter, things like that. Mm -hmm. But um, it was a two hour long live show, Saturday and Sunday mornings. And it was just like, oh, some days I'd be like, I can't even, I can't listen to myself. I can't even be around (laughs) myself. My voice is driving me crazy. But (laughs) I'm embracing it. (laughs) And where can people find you um, online? You know, what what sort of presence do you want to have people check you out at? Um, if people want to see me and, and my van Blanca, my four wheel drive sportsmobile camper van that we live in, in the winter and then take to all our weddings in the summertime or in the wedding season, the best place for that is Instagram. It's just hashtag Meg Simone or not hashtag, um, whatever slash Instagram.com slash Meg Simone if you're online or just wherever on Instagram and then Facebook. I'm, I'm like, I have a love hate with Facebook now and again. So like sometimes I post on there, sometimes I don't, but I'm on Facebook at, uh, my personal is Megan Simone, my business, Meg Simone wedding films. And those are probably the places I'm most active or if if you could even call it active. I I tend to take social media hiatuses from now, now and again, but which can be healthy. Yes. Yes. I, I do that a lot. This this winter, actually, people are always like, oh, you didn't post any pictures from your winter travels. And I was like, ah, I know I was too busy skiing and having fun. And I was actually planning an event this winter, though, because we did a workshop back in April. So that took up a lot of time yes. in the van working. And I was like, well, I just don't have time to go on Facebook right now. So absolutely. Please do keep me posted on that. And we will promote that on the podcast once it is inked and it is and it is ready to go. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And if you wanted to see Meg on her website to check out some of her wedding films and her style, it is simply MegSimone.com. You bet. Yeah, that's probably the best way to if people have any curiosity about my films. But I'm warning you, they are long, so don't feel <laughs> obligated to watch them all. <laughs> but they're very but they're very well done and very engaging. And you have this interesting way of gathering bites from just like everybody and not simply, you know, vows and toasts. It kind of culminates from everyone and it's just a different it's a really different um you know approach than the typical start it with the vows end it with the toast kind of thing it's it's really interesting oh thank you very much i appreciate that um so i think we'll call it there meg thank you again so much for the time today i hope everyone took notes i know i did it was super helpful thank you again 
Oh, no, thank you so much. I do hope people learned something. If there was one little nugget that people took away, then I'm a happy camper. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that they did. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Christian. Thank you, everybody, for your time and attention. I appreciate you listening, especially to the end if you've made it this far. If you have just another few seconds to spare, please rate and review the podcast, which is now on iTunes. This way, more people see it, and we can help even more wedding filmmakers along their journey. Keep an eye out for future episodes on the University of Wedding Filmmakers blog, which you can get to by visiting www.universityofweddingfilmmakers.com. My name's Christian Nocturib, and that's it for me. 